The topic of transformational CIO is one we have discussed at length on CXO Talk because it's just so important. Nick Castides is the president of information technology at UPS. Hey, Nick, how are you? Hey, Michael, thanks for having me today. And, uh, you know, just uh, for your audience, as president of information technology, I have to tell you, I'm privileged to be a member of a world-class IT team of 5,700 IT professionals around the world. You know, I hope today through our conversation, you know, I'll be able to tell you our story of innovation and our technology journey from a fledgling startup that started in 1907 uh, in Seattle, Washington, to what's become the global brand of UPS that you know today that delivers 22 million packages each and every day in 220 custom countries and territories. And we power all of that with something we call the Smart Logistics Network. And I'm sure we'll go through that as we get through the conversation. Our second guest is Jay Farrow. He's an old hand here at CXO Talk. Jay, you're CIO of QuickRead. And tell us about QuickRead and how are you? I'm doing well, Michael. Great to see you. Hope you're staying safe and healthy. Nick, good to see you too, my friend. Uh, I am. I'm the CIO for the QuickRead companies. We are the largest manufacturer of packaged concrete and cement mixes in North America with hundreds of locations all across North and South America, um, Puerto Rico, Canada, et cetera. So great to be here and great to be with you both. Nick, we use this phrase transformational CIO. I'm afraid it's kind of becoming a little bit of a buzzword. So break it down for us. What do we, what do we mean by that? At UPS, we're executing a corporate transformation in support of our growth strategy. You know, we're changing our processes, our organizational structures to become more agile, not just in IT, but across our lines of business. And we're making significant investments in technology to grow this business. So, you know, when I think about transformational IT leaders, I think about how we're positioning our IT leaders at UPS today. Our IT leaders are not just technologists, right? They're business leaders who have a seat at the table, which, you know, it'll allows us to lead innovation of new technology-enabled products. You know, one example, I know you just mentioned you're a, a UPS customer, uh, UPS MyChoice. Uh, that is a technology-enabled solution that today provides 68 million MyChoice members the ability to control their delivery experience for their e-commerce shipments in the palm of their hands. And so, you know, from my perspective, uh, that transformational leader is one that is really a business leader first and a technologist second. I agree. I, I think it always starts with the business and what the, the business goals are. And I think Nick hit the, hit the nail on the head. World-class CIOs are business leaders first and technologists second. And I think transformation at the CIO level begins with the leader herself or his self. You know, it's a mindset of continual improvement. It's a mindset of always looking for opportunities, uh, while also balancing operational responsibilities as well. But I think Nick said it right. It's truly understanding what your organization's goals are, what is important to your customers, and recognizing that technology is not the reason you exist, right? Your customers are your lifeblood. They are the reason you exist. And your employees, technology is an enabler, and a very powerful one of, of all of that. And uh, so I, I couldn't agree more. Is the reference point of customers 
the kind of touchstone of being a transformational CIO? Well, I think if you're not starting with them, then you're, you're missing a real opportunity. I think the best CIOs in the world put themselves in their customers' shoes. I really do. I mean, that means, and look, that, that means your, your colleagues as well, right? I'm sure Nick has spent plenty of time, you know, with in, in a, a lot of different UPS locations all around the world. I've spent a lot of time in a number of our locations understanding exactly how we produce our product, what our employees go through day to day, how IT enables or doesn't in many cases, uh, and how we can get better. Uh, but also what is important to our customers, every organization I've been part of. I mean, we've spent, we've done day, week, month in the life of where we eat our own cooking. And to me, uh, that's the way that IT not only builds credibility, but comes up with innovative solutions because we truly are experiencing what it's like to be a customer. And then always having that channel open with your customers so that they can give you 100% transparent feedback uh, about how you're doing. And a CIO leader has got to be pretty made of pretty stern stuff. <clears throat> I mean, you have to be able to take feedback really, really well and uh, and not be personally insulted by it, I guess. You know, the reality is you, you have to be business intimate, as Jay just said. And, you know, at UPS, that's our strategy and very customer intimate. You always have to be listening. That's right. Remember, we're not all building technology for technology's sake. We're building it to solve problems, to create products that our customers desire, right? So listening is going to be a very critical uh, skill that that uh, next generation transformational leader needs to have. We have a question on LinkedIn, and Sergio Quiraz asks, is business transformation now mandatory? It's table stakes, right? The, the markets we operate, the technology landscape is changing at a dramatic rate, at a pace that many of us have never seen uh, before. And so all of us need to kind of look ahead to understand uh, how we can disrupt our industries disrupt our business models before we become disrupted. And I have to tell you, uh, and, and you know, we'll talk about this throughout this conversation today, but the digitization of our businesses, the automation of our businesses is going to be critical for businesses to survive going forward. So you know, at UPS, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a transformation going on that's informing our strategy for growth. That strategy for growth, the underpinning for it is what we call the smart logistics network which is not only really cool customer-facing technology, uh, but also operational technologies like our Orion platform that are allowing us to do things like save 100 million miles a year in drivers on road and to reduce carbon uh, emissions, greenhouse emissions, by 100,000 uh, uh, cubic uh, meters. So that's, uh, it's just amazing uh, what, what you need to do here. But you have to be transforming at this point, because if you don't transform, you will be disrupted. I agree 100%. I mean, you you need to be operating like you're being chased 24-7, 365. And even if you're not, you probably mm -hmm. are. You're just not aware of it. So you always have to be pointing the finger inward and have your finger on the pulse of what your customers are, are asking for. But not only that, getting good at anticipating the questions that they haven't even asked yet. You know, we all, we, we all know the phrase that Gretzky coined, I don't skate to where the puck is, I skate to where the puck is going to be. And that's what we're called <clears> to do is, as business leaders. We have to be able to anticipate and extrapolate from what we're hearing from our customers, at, at, you know, what, and, and what our competitors are doing 
to stay one, two, five, hopefully 10 steps ahead. Uh, so we have got to constantly be transforming. And, and that transformation doesn't always have to be, you know, cold fusion. It can be, to Nick's point, digitization of manual processes. It can be constantly pointing a finger and saying, we need to pay down technical debt. And, and it's just this transformational mindset constantly of how do we as an organization get better, faster, higher quality, uh, service our customers better, think of ideas before our competitors do. So yeah, I think, to, I, I think you're right, Nick. I think it's table stakes. Mm -hmm. I think that's well said. You know, look, the speed of the leader sets the pace for the pack, right? Yep. The, the companies that are out there on the edge disrupting, they're creating products and services that people didn't think they needed, right? We talked yep. about my choice earlier, first in industry uh, capability for consumers to control the delivery experience. Earlier this year, we deployed a first in industry solution, my choice for business to allow businesses to control their, their, their experiences through the supply chain. And, you know, at UPS, you know, since 1907, we've always seen ahead of the curve, right? We started as a bicycle messenger delivery service, and out of the gate, we were disrupted by the telephone. And so in our culture, right, in our DNA is that spirit of transformation, that spirit of entrepreneurial leadership. And we've constantly transformed and adjusted to changing conditions to become the company that we are today. We have a, another question on LinkedIn from Simone Joe Moore makes the comment, doesn't transformation only happen because you are being disrupted? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I, I feel like it can only happen if you are being disrupted. I, I feel like a CIO or an organization has got to be almost self-transforming constantly. To me, that's just a, a standard state of being in 2020. Mm -hmm. To Nick's point, the market, the technology, our customers, what they want is evolving constantly. So yeah, I mean, I think fear of disruption or being disrupted can be an impetus for transformation, no doubt about that. But I feel like you also have to be transforming yourself without that external uh, that external uh, influence, right? Where you're constantly challenging yourself. So I think it can be both. I was just going to just comment on, on on Jay here. I mean, look, if you're reacting to a disruption, that's right. It's already it's already too late, right? You're already on the downside of that hype curve. Nick, we have a a comment on Twitter relating to all of this from Arsalan Khan. He makes the comment that digital transfer transformation requires organizational change at every level of the organization. And really, therefore, we're talking about a cultural change as opposed to technology. Oh, absolutely. There is no digital transformation without cultural transformation, period, full stop. I mean, your, your ability to influence the organization uh, is severely limited if you, have, if you don't have the ability to influence the culture. But I think the CIO is in a perfect role or the president of IT, in Nick's case, is in a perfect role to be able to influence that culture through delivery, through improvement, through high quality products, that kind of thing. Everybody loves a winner. I mean, Michael, you and I have talked about this before where, I mean, winning, winning, you know, uh, cures all ills. It's amazing how when you start winning and winning as a CIO, when you deliver high quality products on time and you're constantly delighting your customers and, and the trains are running on time and all of those things, it's amazing how much easier things get uh, when you are trying to push the envelope and maybe change the culture. So 
I, I don't know that there's a better role than a, a senior IT leader like Nick or me or, or all the other uh, great senior leaders that are out there. I think we talk about strategies and silos, right? We talk about the digital strategy. We talk about the business strategy. That's right. No, you, at UPS, we just look at it as the strategy. And I, I think that's very important. So you get the cultural change. <clears throat> you get the organization to align around priorities. Yeah. <clears throat> and as we talked about earlier, and as Jay mentioned, with the right leader that has a seat at the table that can speak in business terms uh, with their peers, they can really drive and really, really move the puck forward. Uh, unlike any other function, I really believe that the IT leaders in our companies today have probably the, the largest view, if you will, of the scope and breadth of the organization yeah. because they touch every product, they touch every service, they touch where our customer is at, and they touch every internal function. I agree. They have to recognize that, though, and, and be <clears throat> proactive about engaging and learning. I mean, you cannot wait to be knighted. You can't wait to be told, gosh, you CIOs or presidents of IT or CTOs are so great. You have got to build that culture within IT that you're truly seeking to understand the value chain within your company and bringing solutions to the table. So if you have that vantage point, but you got to take advantage of it and be proactive. Nick, are you primarily a business person or a technologist? I think a successful IT leader today has to be both. In order to have that seat at the table that I spoke about earlier, you have to be business intimate, you have to be customer intimate. You need to think about how you and your, your technology function are gonna help drive top line, how you're gonna improve margins, right? I mean, I think that's, that's critical. And, and by the way, when that IT leader is speaking the language of business, that's what really drives agility, right? Because we're all speaking the same language. We're all moving to the same goal. And that might not happen overnight. And Nick is spot on. I mean, you, it's incumbent <laughs> on us as IT, not just in our roles, but pushing that down through the entire IT organization and making sure they understand the business role that they play within the organization and educating them on the impact that IT makes throughout the company and with the customer. And it might not happen overnight. In every company, you're going to get people who are just, well, you guys are the IT guys, right? You fix computers, you do some things. I mean, that still exists in 2020. We know it does, right? In, in, in large, large companies or companies that have a lot of tenure. And, but you can wear them down over time through delivery and to Nick's point, speaking their language, but truly becoming intimate. And I love that term, Nick, business intimate. Um, and that earns credibility. You know, solution delivery is a team sport, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think we look at uh, technology or systems as, as an IT project, right? So I'll give you an example. <clears throat> a few weeks ago in China, we launched our WeChat presence. And, you know, it's a great interactive technology. In China, that's the way you do business. That's the way you interact uh, for commerce. But, you know, that product launch would not be successful if our China marketing team did not develop a marketing campaign specific to that market, right? Uh, reaching out to consumers in Totiao and Beidou as channels to inform them of the offering and the solution that we have in the marketplace. We have a question from LinkedIn from Scott Paget, who is from the Department of Defense. And he says, as part of your technical strategic roadmaps, how are you employing artificial intelligence, machine learning into your technology? 
you know, I talk about the smart logistics network. The smart logistics network is informed by data, right? We have built at UPS a machine learning uh, and analytics practice. Uh, we have data scientists in a variety of business units. And, you know, we bring together a lot of data about uh, not only our business, but our customers' businesses. And those solutions uh, really provide us insights. You know, we, we announced uh, about a year or so ago a solution that we call Heat. It's an analytics machine learning platform that consumes, during our peak holiday season, literally several billion events a day. And we use that to allow us to inform how we're going to tweak and change our operation on a daily basis. So you, the use of data, the use of machine learning, is critical if you're going to really be able to want to think about how to innovate on the edge and also change your business right in front of your eyes. Now, could you just change it so that you can all leave my good wine on my front porch and not have to have an adult sign for it, please? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that feature. The two features I like is the fact that I can sign the authorization in advance and also the follow my package, right? So you can see- Isn't that great? Yes. My, my kids are amazed by that. They're like, I said, well, it's on its way. It should be there in the next 15 to 30 minutes. The truck's just a couple of miles away. And, and they're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, how do I know that? Why don't you know that? You're, eight, you're 19 years old. Get out there and look. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, how do you create, let's just use that as an example, that follow the, the truck. How do, you, how do you create that? What, what's the planning that goes into it since you're the, the kind of technology, whatever you're comfortable sharing? Getting that delivery experience that you just talked about is, is, is free by just don't, downloading our app. Um, <clears throat> I will tell you that you know, at UPS, we've adopted not only an agile methodology and agile tools, but an agile mindset. And as we talked about earlier, you know, we listen to our customers to determine what they need to power their businesses. So with that in mind, you know, the first release of Follow My Delivery was a minimal viable product. We launched it to a limited market. We received feedback from our customers, and we quickly turned around sprints to iterate features in literally a handful of months to become the product that you see today. Now, you know, I'm really glad that you guys enjoy our service because at this time in the U.S., none of our competitors can match this service offering. So really, thank you very much for bringing it up. Do you take that same mindset, that same agile mindset for internal projects as well? Is that just, does that just permeate UPS? Because I love it. I mean, I, and I'm a big proponent of that same mindset. Look, let's put an MVP out there. Let's put a prototype, proof of concept, get people to react to it versus opine on it for six months, you know, which is, to me is a glorified paper exercise. I mean, let's get something out there for people to react to and then iterate, iterate, iterate. Do you, do you take that same approach with all of your major projects? There's projects that are applicable, right, for Agile. So as part of our IT transformation, uh, we moved our organizations to Agile and DevOps, and that includes the business partners that work with us, right? So embedded in the product teams, the product owner is truly the product owner. And uh, everything that we do is based on that agile mindset. But I'll give you a couple of exceptions, right? If you're going to build or deploy a brand new general ledger in your company, yeah. you're probably going to follow a waterfall methodology, right? Yeah. To, get, to get that right. But yeah, everything we do, uh, we, we're all speaking that language now of minimal viable product. And what's more important is making sure that those releases 
create value, right? This isn't about technology for technology's sake right. or agility for agility's sake. It's about creating value for your customers and, for, and about creating value for your shareholders. We have another question on Twitter, again from Arsalan Khan. It says, Nick's background is in enterprise architecture. How does that background help you in your dealings with other business executives? In general, an IT leader needs to be that, that savvy you know, business person that's, as we said, business intimate, that understands the, the business, the operating model. But everyone in IT has to be a savvy technologist, right? And uh, I mean, that's what the role is all about. And I would tell you that here at UPS, uh, you know, our technology teams and uh, across the board wear both of those hats. And, you know, we spend a lot of time ensuring that our teams remain contemporary, that they invest in, in training so that they can, can be on the leading edge of new and enabling technologies. Now, you know, our job is to bring forward emerging technologies to inform the business about what's possible to solve problems. You know, and one thing that we, we don't want to do is react to somebody reading something on an airplane magazine and saying- I magazine, a, baby, come on now. Yeah, yeah, here's a cool widget. And, uh, you know, I think we have a very good disciplined approach and process here. And again, I, I think it's that trust that's been, that been brought together uh, with, with the folks here at UPS in terms of the fact that IT is not a silo. It's not the technology gurus that sit in the back room that uh, only come out to fix your PC. They're sitting there around the table with you at the very beginning when you're thinking about a new product, a new concept, a new strategy. And, uh, you know, we're there arm in arm all the way through the journey. We have an excellent, interesting question from Joel White on LinkedIn. And he says, what has been the biggest challenge for UPS during this pandemic? And what do you think the new normal is going to look like? First and foremost, the safety and health of our employees is extremely important as we care about each other, our families, the communities we live and work in. As you may know, UPS has been designated by governments of countries around the world as a critical infrastructure business. Now, we have both a privilege and a responsibility to continue to safely work during this challenging period, right? We continue to operate uh, in line with the demand and the needs of our customers, you know, except where there are limits due to government restrictions. You know, the situation, as everyone knows, is changing daily. And uh, our smart logistics network is really enabling us to adjust and deploy contingency plans to safely meet our service commitments, you know, as conditions on the ground permit. So I'll tell you a little bit about IT, right? And I really appreciate the question because it allows me a moment to recognize our IT teams around the world and the great work they've done uh, during this pandemic. First and foremost, all of our IT operations and all of our solutions that are in the delivery pipeline continue to proceed as normal. In parallel, our IT teams have had to deliver system changes and enhancements in hours and days to customer-facing technologies, to operational technologies, to react to changing market conditions on the ground. The BCP plans and the proactive investments we made in IT infrastructure prior to the crisis allowed us to move tens of thousands of our employees around the world to remote worker with minimal disruption. 
So I have to tell you, I'm, I'm truly proud of the response of our IT teams and how we've been able to balance the priorities that are going to grow our company and the tactics that are required to react to this crisis. Nick, how has this crisis, if at all, <clears throat> changed your leadership style? Has it or is it, I would argue that it reveals, crisis reveals leaders. It doesn't change them. It reveals them. What do you, what do you say to that? You have to be more connected, right? We're all re- working remotely, right? We're taking these calls today uh, remotely outside of our offices. And so staying connected is important. You know, I start the day every morning with a stand up with my direct reports at 730 every morning. Uh, we are sending out a weekly communication, uh, profiling, you know, projects, profiling, how we're responding to the crisis. Uh, we're doing regular town halls to keep our people informed and connected. And by the way, we're having a little bit of fun. Uh, some of my directs on a Friday night will bring their teams together and do a networking event. As a matter of fact, Michael, you, you may or may not know this, but Jay and I serve on the advisory board of a technology organization here in Atlanta. And yeah. every every Tuesday, trying to keep that organization's mission together, we all meet on Tuesday nights in a in a in a virtual networking event. So I think I think you know Jay, you're right. You have to. It's taking a different type of leadership style, uh, and uh, it, you really have to keep being connected. You have to really communicate, and you got to communicate and be transparent and honest. And I think as a company, we've done a really good job with that. You know, not only in IT or in the work groups that I have the privilege to uh, coordinate here, but but really uh, across the board as a company. We have 495,000 people that are at work each and every day, right? Moving PPE, uh, moving test kits, uh, supporting the reopening uh, in various markets, and, uh, you know, communicating and getting them to understand the, the situation that we're facing. Uh, is really rallying the troops. And so I'm not going to say it's an IT thing. I'm not going to say it's an IT leadership thing. I'm going to say we've got a great corporate culture here at UPS. And, uh, you know, that culture is shining right now. What does that say about the nature of the work that you do and your focus and where you place your priorities? You know, at UPS, technology is weaved into the fabric of everything we do. And, you know, as we, we talk throughout this conversation this morning about things like my choice, Follow my delivery, the Orion platform. Uh, technology is on the forefront. You know, we are digitizing uh, a lot of our processes today. We're automating a lot of our processes, uh, really to help make the jobs our people do easier and, and simpler. So, uh, you know, automation and digitization are, are top of mind. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not a technology strategy; it's a strategic imperative. We have another question from. Twitter, and again from Arslan Khan, says he's getting the feeling that UPS is a data company that happens to be in the delivery business, gathering data from the supply chain all the way to providing data to customers. We like to say that we are a technology company uh, and that we believe that the smart logistics network and you know what we call the UPS cloud, right, our suite of APIs, that allows uh, retailers and e-tailers uh, to integrate uh, with UPS services is where the power is at. You know, we have a lot of data, but we use that data to improve our customers' experience and to inform our product strategy. Right? We're not in the, the data selling business. You know, we are 
you know, in the physical world, right? For for 113 years, UPS has been that trusted provider, right? In that Pullman Brown uniform that knocks on your door, that excites your children. And in the digital world, we also have that same responsibility. I have to tell you, in the digital world, we take information security and privacy very seriously, right? So when we talk about our IT priorities here at UPS, make no, no bones about it. We can talk about innovation and great products and cool technologies. We always start with information security. Always. Protecting the assets. Yeah, always. You have to protect your customers' data. And we use the data in, in the ways that, that, that are, are, are really purposely focused on improving their experience and really helping to optimize our operations for our customers. Jay, this notion of the information technology leader as customer experience leader. Any thoughts on that one? I feel like we play a critical role as customer as customer experience leader. I, I love nothing energizes me more than visiting our our plants, talking to our customers, you know, seeing our product on the shelves, et cetera, et cetera, and and understanding IT's role uh, in in that value chain and how we can get better. But even on a smaller scale, behind the scenes, customer experience. When I think about my colleagues at you know in our in our divisional or corporate offices how do we make their lives easier how do we remove friction so that they can better service our customers all of those things um i mean I, at this point if you're not considering yourself when you're a senior it leader as a customer experience mm-hmm. leader you're missing a severe opportunity or a significant excuse me opportunity and it could have severe consequences it's not about bits and bytes and feeds and speeds those are table stakes we all know we have to do it they're, they're very, very important, but it all starts with the customer. Are there CIOs out there who are still focused on feeds and speeds? Oh, yeah. I, I wish there weren't. You know, I, I wish there weren't. I, I Now, look, we all attend a lot of events. I know Nick has seen them. Um, I think that number is shrinking, but we've all been at events where CIOs... Um, are hyper-focused on the how and not the why and the what. And we have to be good at all of it, by the way. I'm not trying to absolve us of being good technologists. We have to be good technologists. But if if you're expecting to get a seat at the table because you know you can regale people with tales of blinking lights and boxes and wires, then you're, you're missing a big opportunity and chances are you're not going to get that seat. Unfortunately, yeah, I think there's still some folks who do that, that, hey, the trains are running on time. That's what I'm here to do. But there's a shift, right, Jay? I mean, right. I think what we're starting to see it. I mean, in the old days, most IT leaders, the majority yep. of IT leaders were the technology guru that nobody understood. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I think today you have to transform yourself because if you're not sitting at the table, you're not leading. You're following. You're an order taker, right? That's exactly. You don't want right. to be the order taker. You want to be sitting at the head of the table, helping to drive that corporate strategy, helping to drive those technology-enabled service offerings like the My Choices and the Follow Deliveries uh, that we yep. spoke about earlier. Well, we have to be complete CIOs, right? We have to be complete CIO leaders. It's not, you know, there is no question to me about mm-hmm. are you an operational CIO or are you a transformational CIO? If you're a CIO. To me, the role by definition means you have to do both. I mean, yes, we have to keep trains running on time. Yes, we have to email has to flow. 
uh, data has to flow, systems have to stay up, there has to be availability, resiliency, disaster recovery, data in its security. All of those things have to happen, but we also have to be transformative and innovative leaders as well. There is, if you're thinking about the role of the CAO, and not you, but some people do, as two different types of roles, it should be, in an ideal world, one role. That's it. You have to do both if you want to be a world-class CIO. We have another comment on LinkedIn, and again from Simone Jomour, who says she's still struggling, struggling to get some organizations to answer the question of how data and security are incorporated into their knowledge management strategy on a larger scale, not just, you know, help desk articles. But, and does UPS have a view on, on this? We do. I mean, you know, security and the security topic is something that starts at the board level at UPS. Uh, my boss, who is the chief engineering and information officer and our CISO, uh, report regularly on our security uh, posture to the board of directors. We have an information security and privacy committee that is not an IT committee. It's a committee made up of the business unit heads across the organization. You know, so we've weaved the security message, the privacy message across the organization. You know, it's been a journey, right? In the, in the early days of information security, a lot of people didn't get it. But with the incidents that have occurred in industry over the past few years, and seeing the, the impact it's had on brands, to see the impact it's had on top line, to see the impact it's had on margins, it's easy to have a conversation with your peers about information security and why it's important at UPS. Very easy here today. Much easier than it was five years ago, seven years ago. How does somebody break through all of your various defenses in order to get to you? In general, I think most markets are the same. It's a relationship business. Uh, I mean, if we, we, you know, thousands of emails, hundred, you know, phone calls, LinkedIn requests, et cetera, you're being bombarded with request and magic widgets and everything that's going to to save your business. Uh, you've got to be real crisp with your message, cold calling, cold emails, at least for me, and I'm, I'm sure with Nick too, uh, you, you've got a near 0% chance of that capturing my attention. If you go to where CIOs or senior IT leaders are and build relationships, I'm doing business today with people who shook my hand and in today's day and age, maybe bumped elbows, but uh, hopefully we can all get back together in person, but took the time to build relationships, understand my business <laughs> challenges, and played the long game, right? And and unfortunately, we live in a kind of a, what have you done for me lately, cold call, ROI, instantaneously kind of, you know, instant gratification kind of world. But I'm doing business today, and I'm sure you are too, Nick, and I'd love to hear it. I mean, you're doing business with people today probably that play, were willing to play the long game and build those relationships over time and be there when you needed them and offer value. You know, a couple of years ago in, in one of these uh, forums that I, that I spoke at, the same question came up. Always, yeah. And I, and I gave the same response. About three months later, I was at an IT networking event and uh, a woman approached me and said, I was at your talk three months ago and uh, I got your message and I waited until this moment to give you my elevator speech. I got to tell you something, it impressed me so that I took a meeting with her leadership team and, you know, we, we brought the product in to do a proof of concept and take a look at it, but she played the long game. 
as Jason. Let's finish up with this idea of trust. That That's a great, actually, way to finish up uh, from what we were just talking about. The idea that the that IT leaders must be trusted by the organization and by customers. How do you how do you create trust? And what advice do each of you have for creating that sense of trust and confidence among these stakeholder groups? You know, first it does start by being part of the team, right? Getting that seat at the table, being engaged in the dialogue, being side by side with your customer in solving your customer's problem, being side by side with your peer in your organization, helping to helping them to to work through what their strategy for growth is. If you're shoulder to shoulder with your customer, if you're shoulder to shoulder with your peer, you're in it together. And you know, in a lot of organizations, you hear the term, and this is a term that we don't really use at UPS anymore. We used to hear IT people talk about the business, yeah. right? And frankly, in my mind anyway, there isn't IT, there isn't the business. We're all the business, right? We're all in it together. You know, in a company like QuickRead, in a comp- company like UPS, hey, we're trying to grow value for our shareholders, our customers, our employees. Uh, we really want to grow top line. We want to improve those margins. So, so we're in it together. So being at that table, not being isolated in the back room, I think is critical. I agree. I, I think that's really well said. I think trust begins with those relationships that you know that Nick is talking about, but it also you know includes integrity, doing what you say you're going to do, and being a transparent leader. To me, nothing builds trust than when you nothing builds trust better than when IT screws up and we screw up, and that you own it. And you've heard me say this, Michael, that if the baby's ugly, we got to call the baby ugly, but we have to follow it up with a plan on how we're going to fix it. And when you can look somebody in the eye and say, look, that, that should not have happened. I'm, I'm embarrassed that it did. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about you know, flogging yourself daily about how terrible you are. I'm also talking about celebrating victories, et cetera. But being very transparent and taking that ownership, that builds trust. Uh, it does. That transparency uh, in everything that you do builds trust. And then following it up with, with action versus just words. On CXO Talk, we spoke with... Uh, a guy named Joel Peterson, he's the chairman of JetBlue. And he emphasized the goal of his term now, solving for fairness in business dealings, as opposed to, you know, one side take everything, solving for fairness. Any thoughts on that? As a global company that, that has millions of customers, right? Everyone on the other side of the equation from us is a potential UPS customer. And, you know, I always start every meeting with a, with a new partner and say, hey, look, we're all in business together, right? If there's no value proposition in what you're offering, I don't want you to waste your time. I don't want you to do a proof of concept. Uh, you, you probably need to pivot to another customer, right? And I think you, you have to put yourself in everybody else's shoes and, and recognize that we're all going through the same thing, right? We're selling to customers. They're looking for our services, uh, and, and people are selling to us. So I do think that, that he's right. Uh, we have to treat everybody like we want to be treated, right? It's the golden rule. And I think if you bring the golden rule to, uh, to your corporation uh, and you can sleep at night because you have high ethics, uh, what more can you ask for? 
I agree. You know, we have to play the long game too, right? And and uh, if you want to have true partner relationships versus vendor relationships, I, I think there has to be a win-win. And and you can grind them into the ground when you're a company of UPS's size or even Quickrete size uh, over a, a penny. And certainly, it's part of our job to get the best value that we can for our organizations. And I'm not suggesting we should never do that. But if you want a long-term partner who's going to flex with you and adapt and grow, it, it has to be a, a, a true partnership and relationship and a, and a win-win. We've been speaking with Nick Custides. He is the president of information technology at UPS. Nick, thank you very much for, for being with us today. Michael, thank you for having us. We really appreciate uh, being able to tell the UPS story. And Jay Farrow, he is the chief information officer at QuickRead. Jay, welcome back and thanks again for taking time to be with us. Got it. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Nick, great to see you, my friend. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. Check out CXOTalk.com. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and subscribe on our, to our newsletter. Hit the subscribe button at the top of the page. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.